Welcome to the Commonweal Theatre Podcast. I'm Josiah Laubenstein. We live in such a strange world nowadays. So many small businesses are suffering. A lot of restaurants are struggling to survive. Arts organizations are in trouble. We, like many theaters, were forced to cancel a part of our run of a show, The Apprentice Capstone Project, The Fox. So today, to talk about the production, I brought in the director, Brant Roberts. We talk about the highlights and some good memories, as well as the struggles from the rehearsal process and the limited run of the show. And we talk a little bit about what it's like to be an artist in this world. A quick note, we recorded this before the shelter in place was in effect, but we did practice good social distancing. So we were sitting more than six feet apart. Thanks for listening, stay tuned. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Commonwealth Theatre Podcast. I am Josiah Lovenstein, and I am here today with my wonderful guest, Brant Roberts. Brant, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Josiah? I am doing very well. <laughs> Hot dog. We are in the Queen's Box at the theatre. We're trying to practice good social distancing. We're uh, about five feet away from each other. I will wave at you like a queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just wave, wave to each other from across the room. So... Yeah, we thought we'd bring Brant in and have a little COVID conversation. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. We're probably not going to talk too much about COVID. No, no. Although... A candid COVID conversation. <laughs> yeah. Although we are going to talk a little bit about some of the effects that COVID has had on our recent performances, mainly The Fox. Mm, the Fox. Fox is our apprentice show performance this year, production this year. And Brant, you were the director for that, right? I was, I was, yes. Yeah, how was that? It was, it was very enjoyable. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice to help facilitate the apprentices to, to create their project. Felt like I was uh, nurturing them towards their goal and was kind of down in the trenches with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> down in the trenches with them. Which, which, was, which was a lot of fun, and it was nice to see them grow and see them develop see them learn yeah. yeah for for those of us who didn't get a chance to see the fox on its limited run uh tell us a little bit about it and then we'll kind of talk about the whole process uh it was based on the novella by d.h lawrence which was written okay. in the early 20s um it takes place in uh, 1918 in england uh, at the height of the spanish flu uh pandemic there uh november was when the talk about the curve when the curve hit the highest Oof. in London and that's exactly when it hit oh, gosh. Um, which is kind of amazing that they picked this months before yeah. uh, the the COVID pandemic so it was kind of I don't know if it's uh, poetic the fact that it was canceled due to a pandemic and it <laughs> dealt with a pandemic and in, in ironic terms. maybe <laughs> ironic uh, <yeah. laughs> it's horrible is it, what is. it is uh, but yeah, it's, it's about these two ladies who um, buy a farm in the country in order to escape from um, society, oppression in town, as well as uh, the influenza pandemic, and, and sort of make their own way. And in the course of living out there, one night a, a young man returns home from World War I, and uh, that's the inciting incident, and everything sort of starts to unravel from there. And and uh, yes, who is the fox? Well, 
have to watch it to find out. Um, but but it is a trio that uh, it delves into uh, like toxic masculinity, gender roles, identity, um, gaslighting. I mean, it covers a lot of things that that we're dealing with in our society right now, and it was written over a hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, it was it's surprisingly timely for something, you know. So old in that regard. Um, well, yeah, let's just dive in. Let's dive in. So, <laughs> The Apprentices, uh, for this production, they do not only the acting, mm -hmm. but they do everything. They, like, go behind the scenes. They build the set. They uh, do the sound. They do the lights. They do stage management. They do everything. The whole kit and caboodle. Except for directing, which is what, what you provide. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so I feel like I would say, as an objective observer, you are uniquely suited to help the apprentices in this project because you kind of are a jack of all trades when it comes to the theater world. Would you would you agree with well, this? Well, thank you for saying so. <laughs> yes, I feel like I I've. I've done all the things that they were doing, so I I'd say okay, yes, this this here, let me help you understand like how to design a set or you know here's some ideas about sound design or, you know that sort of thing uh, and of course they had Thomas and Kelsey yes. Kelsey Heathcote's a sound designer and Thomas White is a, a brilliant lighting designer and so they 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 were there to nurture as well along the process were there any moments that were especially difficult on that side of things not the acting side but just the like technical side of things any any times that that you were like, wow, this is you know they've bit off more they they can chew or you know it's going to take a lot of work to get this done. Any moments that stood out to you from that side? Um, I had a goal that we would, for example, start the set early, mm. and and when we got to Tech Week, I didn't want it to be this albatross around the apprentices' necks. Um, it's like oh we got to finish the set oh we got to do this, and and so that was a that was a goal I had in mind and I feel like we achieved that goal the 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 set was pretty much complete before we ever entered Tech Week, and so they were able to focus more on just finishing touches, um, and for example Kelsey uh, not Kelsey well Kelsey did help but Caroline, um, she was doing sound design and so she could focus on that. And, and Jody was doing lighting design, and so she could focus on that as well. And, uh, and so that was, that was perfect for Tech Week. Yeah. And so I don't think they ever felt completely overwhelmed. They may speak to that differently <laughs> <laughs> than, my, than myself, but uh, they did have to work on a weekend, but that's typical for, yeah. for Tech Week coming out. And the set, I will say, like having seen it, the set was... Uh, I don't mean this negatively, but a monster. Like it was, it was, a it was beautiful. It was a, a large set. It felt like a fully realized house. There was a woodshed off in section <laughs> A. There were trees. I mean, it was like it was a a a big set. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm a dreamer. <laughs> and and Matt and I, Matt uh, Donahue was the set designer. Matt and I had conversations starting in the fall last year about it, and uh, I realized that this. The story is so realistic. It delves with real issues that we face in society, 
and I wanted it to feel grounded in reality. So the yeah. goal was to have a set that had that weight, and um, I also wanted it to feel, especially within the farmhouse, that they were in, they were contained, mm. that there was a sense of uh, a cozy nature, but also uh, a, almost a claustrophobic sort of thing. Mm -hmm. so, I, so the set was moved downstage to make it even more intimate, um, but also they were in a cage. They, they are the chickens in the coop with the fox inside, and yeah. I wanted it to feel as if when that door's closed, they can't get out. Yeah. Well, you really got a sense of that, especially in the woodshed, which, mm -hmm. as I said, they set over in section A and was kind of uh, like an extra section, which I think is something that the Apprentice Project allows for is... It's true. This creativity, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah, not yeah, something yeah. we would ever do for a main stage, but... <laughs> It's nice. It's fun. You get to, as someone said, you see you see things in a different way. Um, and I also had the goal of of uh, wanting to immerse the audience mm. in the mm -hmm. world. So uh, that was in particular with Caroline Hawthorne's sound design. So when the audience went through the vom, you heard the, the birds and and the light fil filtering through the trees and the woodshed. Yeah. And so there was this sense of getting completely immersed in the world when they come in. Yeah. To the space and also uh, Caroline and Alicia both uh, came on early before the pre-show speech right so yes. they were also you know as the audience comes in you're not getting the, the music as much as you're getting uh, a world you're a world, world. yep and and I wanted to see the two ladies living um, in the house early on just how they live how they interact with each other and in a, in a simple, nice, easy way. Uh, so yeah, that, that was a goal that I had at the beginning. And, and they, they pulled it off uh, beautifully, I thought. Yeah, they did, they did. Now, I hear, uh, I want to talk about the process a little bit. But I, I hear that, um, that the apprentices gave you a nickname during this, this performance, this pr production period. What, do you remember what the nickname was? Because uh, I do. Uh, well, Caroline has the nickname of me called Brantpaw. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking of, uh, Brantpaw. Uh, how, how do you feel about this nickname? Are you, are you pro it, or is it only like in certain circumstances, like The Apprentice Show, that people could use it? I'm pro it. I, I, I realize that I have sort of a grandfatherly uh, air about me. In fact, um, Back in 2007, when I was on my first or second tour with, with a children's theater based out of Philadelphia, uh, a friend of mine and I, we were, we were called G-Mom and G-Daddy, <laughs> which, which was a reference to my grandparents. That's what I called them. Oh, and, yeah. and the cast overheard me call, call my grandparents this. And they're like, well, you're our G-Daddy, and, <laughs> and, and she's our G-Mama. And we, we had this air about us that we're like yeah come on kids we're going across the country <laughs> um so i it, it seems par for the course <laughs> i guess yeah um like, as i say this you are wearing uh what's this kind of hat called a page boy you're wearing a page boy hat which does feel a little grandfatherly it's true it's a, a a woolen page boy hat which is kind of like okay yeah i can see where they would get that <laughs> um, yeah and caroline she was uh, she's wonderful. Uh, she would tease me that um, due to the subject matter of the fox, 
She's like, you're not only our director, but our therapist. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, that, that's a good segue into kind of, uh, so the, the, the Apprentices, this is kind of like their, you know, their flagship production. It is. Of the season. This is their, their chance to shine. It's their baby. Yeah. And so they really, uh, in terms of the acting side of things, like there's a lot of pressure on them, would you say? Yes. They, or at least they feel that, right? They feel like. So how, how was it in the rehearsal room? Tell, tell us a little bit about the rehearsal process for this. Early on, I mentioned to them, I said, it's easy to make The Apprentice production the end-all, be-all. Mm-hmm. It's like, this this is the pinnacle. You know, This is what we're doing. And I, I sort of said, nope, this is just another play that you guys are producing, uh, that you're putting up. Well, actually, the Commonwealth's producing, but you guys are mounting it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to mount other plays. You're going to do other plays. You're going to act in other plays that are going to be much better and than this. This is just a project that you guys are doing. And I wanted to kind of say, you're just going to do this project. And it's going to be great, and it's going to be fun, and you're going to learn a lot. But, but don't make it this huge thing, or else you'll become overwhelmed. <laughs> and that, that was my goal. And Did it work? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, there were moments where they, they realized you know they they want to do well they always wanted to do well they want to they want to please and uh, but i'd also think they kind of remember that yep we're, we're we'll do other plays there'll yeah. be other other jobs other opportunities i mean that's such an easy thing for all actors to it's kind true. of get sucked into you get very focused on what's right in front of you it's yeah, true because it's it's just true. How, how it works it and it, it needs to be that way because it is it is a world that we're building Right, and it demands a lot of focus. It really does. It really does. So did you feel like um, like the rehearsal process went well? I mean, every rehearsal process has its ups and downs. What were some of the ups? What were some of the downs? Um, I would say, yeah, it had, it had its ups and downs. Um, I wish they were here with me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, they're they're yeah. scattered all over the country now. Exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I will say that... that uh, Early on, we started into it, and this play demands uh, a realism, uh, grounded, um, honest relationships. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what the story needs. It needs to be um, simplistic in its approach, and and sometimes that's that's hard. That's hard to achieve, um, particularly when you're dealing with um, dialects of oh, like England, yeah. England, English, Englanding. I can't talk. That okay. this is not good, um, <laughs> or, or even uh, uh, just lines, because it's a three-hander, and right. there are a lot of lines, and so you're trying to remember your lines, you're trying to remember how to say a line, uh, you're trying to remember blocking, and uh, I will say that developing those relationships was what came. Uh, it was the final piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. um, that 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 ended up happening um, the week before we opened or into that week period yeah. uh, and it's when they became comfortable with their lines became comfortable with the dialect um, and became comfortable in the world mm-hmm. is when they started to really see and listen and react to each other yeah and and uh, having seen the play there there are these moments of that genuine you know connection and that genuine tension 
that really kind of came across. Particularly, I loved when you put them in the even smaller wood, yes. wood space. <laughs> you know, there's something about a small space creates tension just because you can't can't move very much. It's true. And, yeah. yeah, so those are some really... Yeah. yeah, speaking to my goal earlier, we were trying to figure out where to put the woodshed early on because we realized it needed to be a separate space. Mm -hmm. And we thought about, well, it could be an area downstage. And then we thought, but it needs to have walls because you need to right. feel trapped inside it. And, and then we had the idea of putting it in section A or another section of the theater. Yeah, yeah. and you, you felt like that was, that was a good choice? I, I do, because, yeah, they... They, they escape from the, the, the house in order to have private conversations. Mm -hmm. And so you, you didn't want the woodshed to feel like it was a part of the house. If, yeah. And you wanted to feel like it was separate. Uh, and, and yeah, it was a unique sort of look to have it be in, in, in the audience, so to speak, even though we had to close off a section. But yeah, uh, but yeah it, and we recycled a bunch of stuff, <laughs> which good. was fun. Uh, but yeah. Um, I will say that 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 was that was the hardest part of the journey was developing the relationships for 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 everyone. Um, we we did have a lot of fun. Uh, the, <laughs> there was one night where uh, Caroline's character has to knock off a vase uh, on accident onto the floor, and uh, we spent I want to say an hour trying to figure out <laughs> that may be that may be an exaggeration, but. Uh, trying to figure out how to make it seem like an accident, oh, how, yeah. how to block it so that it was the most effortless thing. And, and Caroline, sometimes she seemed like a, uh, uh, a sulking cat where she would just be like, look what's happening to us now. Thwack, crash. <laughs> I hate this thing. <laughs> I hate you, Paul the vase. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, one of the hardest things to do on stage is do something accidentally. It's so true. Intentionally <laughs> accidentally. Uh, but I thought, I thought where you got to was pretty good, that it was sort of a burst of anger and mm -hmm. a, a nice, you know, complete gesture that <laughs> knocked it off. But that's funny. It, those are the little things that I feel like it would take hours of rehearsal it's to get that true. right. You have to do it over and over and over again. It's true. So that it stops looking rehearsed and starts again looking natural because you go through that period, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's funny. I remember that moment. It's a good moment. <laughs> So that's a line that I think has stuck with us. Look what's happening to us now! Because <laughs> we heard it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the quote from the show. Yeah. Look what's happening to us now. Love you, Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she's listening. I do too. Yeah, so then, you know, you worked on this for what? How long did you rehearse? A month? Month uh, and a half? Month, a month and a half, I'd say. Month and a half. And the apprentice had, had been sitting with it for a lot longer. I mean, they knew they picked the show back in 2019. Mm, back in the fall. Yeah. Um, and then they'd been working on lines. They knew the parts that they were going to play. Yes. And you work on it for a month and a half. And then... <laughs> And then COVID happens. It's true. And you, we, we, we get, what? They got one preview, mm -hmm. like an invitation dress rehearsal. And then we did get two performances. And where people, there was uh, groups seated together and then... Six feet apart. Six feet apart. In all directions. Person, in all directions. 
So we capped it at what forty or fifty somewhere. Then. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and that was Saturday and Sunday, and then the rest of the run it had to be had to be canceled. Yeah, I I always remember a, a a professor of mine in grad school. He said we sculpt in snow, and uh, and that's true. It's like we it's an art form that takes place in real time, mm-hmm. theater, and um, it fades. Like like anything that that is on this globe, it's it's fleeting, and uh, this one just was a little more fleeting than we thought it was going to be. Um, uh, it was it was it was hard to see this set that we built be struck after we opened it. <laughs> that, that Monday or Tuesday, right? Yep. Isn't that when we came yeah. in and did it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, Matt. Matt Donahue, he had a nice um, sentiment early on when we found out that there was a possibility that the Fox was going to be canceled. He said, well, we got to have the experience of putting it together. And he's like, no one can take that away from us, and we got to have two, perf- two performances. At least we got two performances. Yeah. Uh, and that's true. That's true. Um, and we, we got some great responses. We had... Uh, one patron come up and say that she wishes uh, so many high school students could see this production because it it teaches you that in any point in a relationship you can say no and um, she had had experiences similar to some of the the ladies in the story and she said she saw all the warning signs and she recognized things that uh, the gentleman said and things that she had said in the past mm-hmm. and how how you know it mirrored her life and and it was cathartic for her yeah. and that that was one of the hardest things for me is that um, I'm so glad that we reached people and I had another patron come up to me and say that you know she she reflected on it it sat with her over the weekend and she had experiences that reminded her of how important words are and how you know we, we can say things that can be misconstrued or that that are unintentionally toxic yeah. uh, without even realizing it. Um, so just the fact that we reached two people, <laughs> I feel like and I'm sure is enough. More, you know, yeah, you people never that know. You, don't hear from. you never know. So this is something that I, I really love as an actor. This is a, a question that I really uh, am always curious about from other people, but it's I call it a post-mortem, mm-hmm. but it's how you put away a show when you're done with it. And mm-hmm. I think this is particularly important and unique because you have to do it before you feel like you're done with it. So how do you, how do you go about uh, putting everything away? This post-mortem, this discussion of, of what happened after the show gets put to bed, kind of. Uh, that's a good question. Um... Yeah, it, in a way, <laughs> on a on an actual literal side, um, I, I also am kind of props master for the theater, so <laughs> I was literally putting it away. <laughs> so I was putting props on shelves uh, just just a while back. Um, but I, th- I I do think there is a sense of like decompressing a release um, from it. Uh, I also think there's reflecting on it. 
I, I don't know about the rest of the apprentices, but I feel like a few months from now, there are going to be moments where they're like, oh, and they'll reflect on it, and they'll yeah. have things that rem- they remember and come back to them and realizations that take place because the script it was so dense. Mm-hmm. Um, Caroline, her, her regret was when we have a long run, we get to sort of um, ferment mm-hmm. and, and sort of dig deep and the relationships keep growing and, and getting deeper and stronger yeah. as, as you do the run. Um, and she, she had the regret of not having that experience with this because it was one of those plays that the relationships could just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper mm-hmm. over the cu- course of a month run. Um, so that's hard to put away. Yeah, it's hard to sort of cut ties with something. I always feel like I have to go through a mourning period. It's true. You know, where I just sort of, I feel sadness over having (laughs) spent time with, so much time with a thing. It's true. And now I don't get to spend time with you anymore. You know, not necessarily the people, but the the thing itself, the play itself. It's true. There's there's moments where I'm like, oh, I'm not rehearsing this anymore. Oh. am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have that project to work on mm-hmm. as an artist when you don't have the project. You're like, oh, what, what am I even doing? Yeah. Um, are there any moments that stand out for you that you're going to think, you know, you're really going to miss those moments? Sort of like a, a highlight from the experience or even just a, a favorite moment on stage or something like that? Um, as I, you reflect back and, you know in these over the next couple of months? I think one of the things I liked about the Fox is how, as, as I mentioned earlier, how re- much the relationships were important. Mm-hmm. Um, but not only that, but how uh, action sometimes oriented it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, were, there were bits of violence, there were bits of intimacy that were really quite... Um, Powerful, I'll put it that way. Um, both, both, you know, it, I, I felt like it elicited a response from yeah. people. Um, and I, I will say that those moments, um, there, were <laughs> there were times where Jody, who was the stage manager, and I would be sitting there, and then after a scene, we'd all kind of go like, and we'd have to sh- shake it off a little shake bit. It it's like, oh, that was... That was uh, uncomfortable. Um. <laughs> yeah. I, anytime you work on a, a drama or a tragedy, you, you have to, it's like putting on your tragedy clothes and then taking them off afterwards. You just think, oh, I've got to get out of these things. It's true. Um, and, and one of the things that I think will stick with me is, is uh, Matt Donahue got us in touch with an intimacy coach. Mm. Um, and and she, she met with us early on via uh, Skype. Um, this is such a new thing in our industry. There are only 32 uh, intimacy directors in the world wow. that, that are, that are um, what's the word? Certified. Certified, yeah. that's the word. Uh, and and we, we had the honor of, of working with her. Her name was Jill. Um, and so what, is, what does an intimacy coach do for a production like her? Well, and this, this is so new, and it's, it's kind of... Um, sad that it's come around so late um, similar to fight choreography or, mm-hmm. or fight director um, each moment of violence is choreographed 
Mm-hmm. And, and the same is true for moments of intimacy. Um, so it, it's a way for the actors to say, uh, here are my boundaries, here, here's where I'm comfortable, and here's where I'm not. And, and the intimacy director sort of helps facilitate that. They, they are the, the mediator between the director and the actors, so that the actors are always comfortable that, that, that their boundaries aren't um, broken. And even by intimacy, just to clarify a little bit, it, we're talking, it could be even just physical proximity, it could be a kiss, it could be putting you know, my hand on a shoulder, something like that. Yes, uh, it, it can be, um, we, we found several moments of, of intimacy that, that were kisses, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, uh, an embrace or an something. Embrace yeah. or something. Um, one, one that was very clear, um, to, to, to the intimacy director, but that was not clear to me, was this moment in the end of the play where um, the, the young man, the young soldier is comforting one of the ladies mm-hmm. in a kind of a creepy way, but, but he, he has her in an embrace, and that was a moment of intimacy, even mm-hmm. though it, it was not, as we would say, um, romantic or right. sexual, it was just very very emotionally charged and and so our emotions are are things that that can be triggered by physical proximity mm-hmm. and so in a way intimacy direction sort of helps navigate those those waters so that you don't go too far right down those those holes yeah so no one feels un- uncomfortable in that situation yeah um, but everything's choreographed Interesting. Uh, where, yeah. where each, where the hand is placed, uh, the actors communicate about it. It's like I'm going to put my hand here, and then I'm going to put my hand here. And are you okay with that? Wh- where is a good place? You know, are you ticklish in any way? <laughs> <laughs> the little questions like that. And so communication is always there. Uh, there was an intimacy call as well as a fight call before mm-hmm. the performance. Um, they went through to make sure everything was on par. Uh, kissing was only done during runs of the show as well as performances mm-hmm. because you, a kiss is a kiss right um, and so there's there's no reason to really rehearse a, a kiss just kind of leave that for the stage in those moments but they were timed uh, like each each kiss each embrace was timed um, we had them count initially like so many seconds the beats so that they could feel how long the moment is supposed to last and it would not last any longer than that moment and so they knew they knew and and so what's fascinating about it and this is true I guess for any moment of violence on stage or any moment in general is the more it's rehearsed the more it's planned the more it's controlled the more an actor can actually delve into it and the more realistic it feels to the audience. Yeah, I've always found that to be a wonderful little thing. The more rehearsed you get, the more natural it feels, which is sort of strange. Not, not quite how we think about it. It is, and and it's so interesting that uh, intimacy directions just now come about in the last decade, really. Yeah, yeah. I had never heard of that. I mean, I, obviously working with directors in intimate situations, we would have a candid conversation. We would say, how comfortable are you? You know, here are the moments that we're going through. And 
generally you'd send everyone else out of the room and you'd do that with uh, like the two actors who it's involved with but i'd never heard of an intimacy coach before so that's it's kind of it's kind of cool that we're yeah. involving them it, it really is and and uh i i got jeremy van meter to come in um because uh as jill pointed out a director can't be an intimacy coach or director it's very sure. challenging because the actor wants to please the director Sure, sure, and sure. so they may say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm comfortable with this." Right, but they need a third party to speak to, mm-hmm. to make sure that lines aren't being crossed. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Wow, given the current situation, none of us have to worry about being <laughs> too yeah close to six anyone. feet apart. This <laughs> <laughs> may still be. Too close for some. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Have you ever been in a situation like this before where you've had to cancel a run for any reason? Or is this is this your first? Because I've been trying to rack my brains and find out why I've had to cancel anything. Uh, I don't think I have. The only thing that I can think of was uh, for, for a community theater. Okay. I, I was ambitious in my youth. <laughs> and uh, this was back in 2004, and I wanted to do Shakespeare in the Park in my hometown. Okay. And I was going to do a Midsummer Night's Dream, and I cast it, and I, I cut the script down to a manageable size for, for amateur actors in the community, and, and everyone was gung-ho, and then one by one, everyone dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was left with five actors, and I decided to instead do the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged uh, with those five yeah. actors. And um, I devied up the lines in the script uh-huh. among the five because it usually calls for three because mm-hmm. I wanted to use everyone. Um, so A Midsummer Night's Dream went by the wayside, but I still got to do a play. <laughs> <laughs> but you still, you still performed the full run, you know, that it wasn't, you didn't cancel any shows. No, we didn't cancel any okay. shows. No. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. I have, I don't, I've never done it. Rachel, I know, uh, had to cancel a run, half of a run in South Carolina because of a flooding, because oh. of a hurricane. Uh, she said that was really frustrating. I, I do have one story. It was when I was touring with Christmas Carol. Uh, this was the same children's theater touring company. And we were performing in November, December. And I forget what town it was in. I think it was in... Um, northern New York State and there was a huge snowstorm and we got to the venue and the snow plows had just plowed uh, an eight-foot wall of snow in front of the loading bay and we could not get the set in and so we called headquarters and they were like well why don't you shovel it out and we're like well if by the time we shovel out all the snow the kids are going to be here, and, and we're not going to have the set up. And uh, a decision was made to just bring furniture and costumes and props in through the front doors and have a minimalistic version of A Christmas Carol. And we, we, we didn't have a set. We just had furniture and, like, things, and we made do, and, and it, it was a magical experience. It really was. It's like, okay, we, we did the show without a set, but it, it worked out. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, sometimes the, 
what whatever the performance that's odd or that has something different about it mm-hmm. can be the most uh, impactful one as an actor because you're more aware of everything you're hypersensitive you're it's true. paying attention it's true and the kids were right there with us they were like oh wait we don't miss a set <laughs> we still enjoy the story that's good well, Brant, thank you for taking some time out of our not quite as busy anymore schedule. Well, thank you for come. having me. <laughs> yeah, anytime <laughs> you want to be on uh, on the podcast, come on back. That's the podcast. Thanks for listening. We here at the Common Wheel appreciate everything that you are doing. Stay safe during this time. If you can, head over to commonwealtheater.org. Anything you can do will be a huge help during this time, whether it's a donation or the purchase of a gift certificate or just leaving a supportive comment. We're all in this together. Once again, I'm Josiah Lobenstein, and thanks for listening.